Hi, baby love. Mm, I am so excited that you landed here. If you are new, this is your first time ever popping into our podcast. Hi, my name is Laura Patricia Martin. I am a trauma-informed relationship specialist after a knees-on-the-floor moment at 24 from a domestically violent relationship and eating disorder, chronic illness, after unprocessed trauma and all the things that I was navigating, I found my way to trauma. And it wasn't until many trials and errors of feeling like I could study my way out of it, I could diet my way out of it, I could somehow, quote unquote, fix what was going on with me. And it wasn't until I found myself to the somatic work and to getting and moving from knowledge to embodiment that I found my way here, helping hundreds of people like you around the world to find their way home, to soften, to truly, truly heal. And Healing to Happy was born. And I always make the joke that I'm an accidental entrepreneur, but in the beginning stages, it was through podcasts that I started to realize and listen and hear different ways of thinking that were different to my own. And I wanted to create a space here on the internet. And it wasn't until my recent breakup, not even recent, it was a year ago, that I started this space and just having some of the most extraordinary people on the podcast, like today's guest, Mary, who is a empowerment mentor. She is a narcissistic abuse recovery specialist. And I love this conversation. I'm going to get into what it is about, but it's people like this that helped you open my eyes and, you know, start to challenge the way that I was seeing the world. So I'm so happy that you're here. And I love when these podcasts, when y'all come and hang out over on Instagram and share your thoughts and reflect back and tag me in these and share these, it, it means the world. And, you know, writing the reviews and giving your honest reflections and feedback, it's just, it's my favorite thing in the planet. So come hang out. My personal Instagram is it's Laura Patricia Martin. So ITS Laura Patricia Martin, our podcast, our platform, our space is Healing Too Happy. So Healing T-O Happy. And then... Mary, who I'm going to be chatting about in a second, is mary.movement.medicine. And so today's episode is for anyone that has navigated narcissistic abuse. I know I have, leaving domestic violence and wrapped in these kind of things. And so I had Mary on because she goes through movement. She does yoga. We talk about this. And that's always a big practice where I think nowadays, actually I know nowadays, a lot of us are trying to diagnose people on the internet from reading things on the internet. And narcissism is wildly misunderstood. And I wanted to have someone on that could have this conversation with me and bring enlightenment to it because it is something that it's honestly, I believe the number one mental health issue that can never be fixed. We all have bits and bops of narcissistic tendencies, but the actual mental health disorder um, is one of the things because a narcissist will never get help because they don't believe they're the problem, right? And that's a, it's a really hard thing to do. And I think often in the beginning stages of this is we want to understand what narcissism is. And then the gift of the work that Mary and I do is what then? How do you come home to yourself after that? You know, how do you forgive 
yourself? How do you move on? How do you trust again? And so this conversation is extraordinary. We talk about what is narcissism. We talk about familial. We talk about relational. We talk about dating again. We talk about, you know, moving from embodiment or moving from knowledge to embodiment. We go really deep of, you know, how do you leave a narcissistic relationship? What are the steps? Um, and it's, it's something that is very near and dear to me because it's something that is near, very near and dear to my story. And so I wish I knew Mary earlier, but I'm happy that I know her now. So like I said, I'll make sure to put her handle below. But this episode is, I'm excited to jump into it. Um, also, that goes with like my update. I know if you're new here, I always kind of give like my life updates <laughs> for sharing these things. And recently I've been witnessing how... I learn a lot. I go through a lot in my lifetime because I've chosen that. And it's, I mean, if you're a mentor and a coach, you know that. Like you live a year within a week and a lot happens and I teach from that space. I teach from what I know now and I forgot to let you guys in on where it all began. And I forget this sometimes. Like when people meet me, it's just they see what I have now and they, they think the confidence came from just born with it and the relationship I have now with my sexy man just you know happened and manifested and lati da and all this stuff and so it's been a tender moment because it's been something that I've been working through in therapy for the last two months is meeting this old version of self because I realized I just kind of shamed that part of me, the part of me that attracted a narcissist, the part of me that attracted, you know, domestic violence, or the part of me that was had an intense eating disorder, and, you know, this part of self that I wasn't so proud of, really witnessing that it's the bravest thing I ever did was healing from that. So how could I shame her? So I started to claim her into my identity again and witness her and do the somatics around her and, you know, really breathe light into this. And... From there, obviously, now it's I'm bringing that forward. I've I've met her, I've loved her, and now I'm bringing that into this brand. And you know that is our movement. It's just funny because this was also a block that was in my relationship, and so I've really enjoyed just you know, even though I'm in this space, I live it, I teach it, I help hundreds of women. Like there are still things to uncover about self, and I think that's the extraordinary part because I don't. Why would I be telling strangers on the internet? Not that you're a stranger, you're my lover on the internet, but, you know, when you can notice these things about yourself without shame or guilt and, like, notice these little kinky parts of ourselves that keep us stuck, like, it sets you free. And I feel so good. So I'm excited about what's coming. I'm excited to deepen this inside of Sacred Singlehood. And that's the program that we have right now. It is a hybrid mastermind that focuses on the trauma recovery and really healing these deep familial wounds and creating safety in the present moment. And we really look at it through the lens of the modern woman, which I have not seen done. And it's not a dating program. And I I get this a lot. It's not a dating program. It's a trauma recovery program that benefits your relationships, whether that's your children, whether that's the relationship that you have with your clients, whether that's relationship you have with your parents. And it's definitely focused on the relationship you have with yourself, your singlehood, your space in between, navigating these moments of uncertainty to create certainty in your nervous system. It is my fucking art to this world. And I have a mastermind aspect to that that's added. So when 
you know, I, I again, moving and embodying what we have in here, we move from just knowledge to the embodiment. And so when triggers come up, you have me in your pocket. And this is why it is a high ticket, high level, high transformational, high achieving <laughs> program. And I adore it. We're starting this month. If you want to come join, it is a close knit community. So reach out. We'll have a conversation. You'll know I don't, I don't sell. I mean, I say things on here. I invite you to it because I, I know this work and I live by this work and I honor this work. But you know, if you ever reach out to me, I'm never going to chase you. Like it's, if you want to see if it's a good fit, it's like if you were coming into fucking Chanel, I wouldn't chase you down. I'd be like, this is a good fit for you. Here you go. And you're allowed to say no. And then you leave and that's it. There's no sneaky tactics, which I love. So that's the art coming out. We have VIP sessions available. I also have Iconic, which is our six-month one-on-one container. You get access to everything in there. Um, What else? We have some stuff coming up in the future. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about life. I'm excited about everything. Long distance is hard, but that one's for another day. (laughs) But yes, I'm excited for y'all. In this episode, I'm excited to crack open with you. I'm excited to continue this journey. So I love you so, so much. And I'll see you on the other side. You are listening to the Healing to Happy podcast, a podcast where we have hard conversations that slay shame. It's about leaning into the vulnerability and reclaiming your bravery. I am Laura Patricia Martin, a trauma specialist who created this podcast to help women like you collapse the walls built up around their hearts due to the shame and trauma and life experiences, to have conversations we may be struggling to have with those around us so that we can break down the walls that are holding us back from living this bold, juicy, brave life. Here, myself, my guests, and my friends share their journeys of rebirth to help us get out of our own way, build authentic relationships and heart-centered businesses and dance proudly into our fullest expression. I believe that when we bring light to a shadow, find richness within the in-between period with women who understand us, co-regulation occurs, safety is imprinted, and we begin to set the tone for limitless potentiality. I am so honored to be here with you. So let's begin. Hi, my darling. I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited and so grateful to connect with you today. Me too. And especially on topics like narcissism and relationships. Like I have so much to go on on this topic because like we hear this word so fucking much. And it, I believe it's wildly misunderstood and I'm really excited to spend time. I mean, you're an expert in this. So really diving in, letting this community learn more about it, understand it fully, um, and have some tools to walk away with and really kind of get an inside look. So I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Before we jump in, I always like to ask people that come on my show. The show is called Healing to Happy. And mm-hmm. sometimes we do this thing where we hear specialists and we hear experts and we hear mentors and we hear all these kind of things and we pedestal people. And so I always like to question, ask the question, what are you currently healing your way to happy on? Like what's a human thing you are currently navigating so we can get a real picture as to who Mary really is? Mm. 
Yeah, thank you so much for for that question. And I think it is really important to, you know, understand that no matter how much we how much healing work we've done, it's literally infinite. <laughs> and the more I grow and learn, the more I really like come to feel that and come to understand that. And so I think that as I move through my life, I just go through different chapters and start to understand things deeper. So I feel like something that I'm really, you know, striving to heal in my life this year is just like finding this balance between being, you know, productive and taking actions and like moving my business forward while also at the same time, making sure that's not taking me like out of my regulation and out of my nervous system, feeling calm and feeling grounded and and really listening to my body and knowing that it's okay to rest. And I think that that's something that a lot of us can probably relate to that like rest actually feels quite uncomfortable and challenging at times for me. And so that's something that this year I'm really like intentionally creating space to rest apart from technology, apart from my business and really like sinking into deeper levels of just presence. Mm, I love that. And I feel like everyone can relate to that, especially anyone that's been through chaos or trauma or things of that nature, like actual resting, like sitting still is terrifying where it's like, (laughs) I I still struggle with that. I like, I have, I like to make the running joke that like I have ADD where I'm like, I can't do it for more than 30 seconds, like (laughs) running around. And so I love that you open that up because even quote unquote, doing the work, you know, we're still actively trying to dismantle what this new paradigm of business is like I'm seeing this so much at least in my community and my clientele where it's like a bunch of entrepreneurs and leaders now wanting to soften it's like oh I built this empire and like I don't have relationships I don't have a life I don't have anything outside of my numbers so I think that's going to be a huge thing we see this year for sure yeah absolutely I've been feeling that energy collectively as well that there's like this desire for balance and desire to just like return to presence and yeah I completely agree with you especially for those of us that have been through like chaos and extreme stress and traumatic situations it's like sometimes that can actually show up later in our lives as just creating chaos in our lives and creating distraction in our lives and overworking and burning out and like increasing our stress levels um, as a way to kind of like recreate that feeling. So that's something I've been, you know, hyper aware of myself. Mm, I love that. And so before we get into the nitty gritty of this wonderful episode, um, how would you introduce yourself or reintroduce yourself for your listeners and introduce yourself to my community? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm so grateful to connect with you on a deeper level because I feel like there's so many similarities in our stories. Um, And I'm excited to dive into that too. But for those of you that haven't met me before, my name is Mary. I'm a women's empowerment mentor and a trauma-informed yoga teacher. And I specialize in helping women to heal from narcissistic abuse. Um, This comes from my own experience living through narcissistic abuse and dealing with a lot of really intense trauma that was... um, residue in my body after the experience and my journey the past few years like understanding 
how to release trauma on a somatic level and then going on to teach that um, in some women's treatment centers in person and then deciding to transition into the online world just over the past few years and it's been such a humbling journey and I've worked with um, you know clients women from all around the world at this point and I've just learned so much and it's been such a beautiful journey of understanding like how needed this actually is and like you said at the beginning it's like you hear the word narcissist thrown around, but I still think that it's misunderstood. And I still think that we need to talk about it more and provide more clarity on how narcissistic abuse actually affects, um, you know, the survivors and how we can help support survivors. Mm. I love that. I'm so excited for this conversation because you have <laughs> touched on so many points where like it being stuck in the body. I know a lot of people when I, I did this too, where it's like, one, when we're dealt with abuse, whether it's domestic, emotional, narcissism, gaslit, all the things, you know, mm-hmm. we often go to talk therapy, right? Like yeah. that's, that's like the gateway drug, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's like, you go in and let me talk my way through this and we get stuck in an mm-hmm. origin story. And you touched on something, somatics. So I'd love for you to break that down, explain that. Um, Because what I know and what I say a lot in this community is like, you can't think your way out of trauma. That's not how it works. Trauma is stored in the body. So I'd love for you to explain a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so a quote that really stood out for me that explains this in like really simple terms is that, when a trauma occurs on the level of the body, it must be healed on the level of the body. And it's exactly like you mentioned, a lot of women who experience narcissistic abuse, they're having very physical symptoms. So they're having, you know, um, racing heartbeat, they're having anxiety, they're having potential like stomach problems, headaches, aches and pains in their body, a feeling of heaviness. Um, And this is often very strongly correlated to the exact abuse that they experienced. And they know this, like, if you've ever experienced this, you know what I'm talking about, you just have a sense and you understand that it's connected. However, if you go to see a talk therapist, this is not addressed. It's exactly like you said, it's like, you're just talking, you're in the level of the mind and you're rehashing past events. And this can can keep you potentially stuck in a loop of the past, just rehashing the past events, which can actually keep you like trapped within the traumatic feeling. And so what I see in a lot of my clients is that they want to move forward. Like they want to move past this feeling of pain and discomfort that they had in this traumatic experience but then they're going to talk therapy and it's kind of just like restoring the pot and almost re-traumatizing them every time that they go. And this is something that honestly I experienced in my journey as well. And so I started getting really curious about this in my own body. And I've been practicing yoga for about 15 years, teaching for about six years. And so I know that there's a really strong connection and correlation between our emotions and our physical body. And so I knew that there had to be more here, that it's like, you have to heal the body in order to heal the mind. And so I started getting really curious about this and started 
studying trauma-informed yoga. And this is when things really started to um, line up and just click for me and make a lot of sense. And as I started studying trauma-informed yoga, I started to realize, wow, like these people who've experienced severe trauma, they just need a safe space to connect to their body and to actually form a loving relationship with their own body in order to heal these parts within themselves that have been severely you know, dysregulated and traumatized. Um, The nervous system regulation piece is huge here because a lot of people who've experienced severe trauma are just in a huge state of dysregulation. And so they'll turn to, you know, substances, creating addictions, um, distraction, or just jumping into a new, um, you know, unhealthy relationship to recreate that state of dysregulation. And so what I realized is that if you give someone a safe container, a safe space to really form a deep and loving connection with their own body through certain practices and certain tools, it starts to completely shift your body on a physiological level, which then affects the mind and the emotions so profoundly. So this is exactly the work that I do and exactly um, you know where my journey has led me in my own recovery process. Mm. And it's so important, like after trauma, after abuse, after all of these things, also as women, like, I don't know if you grew up in the early nineties, but a lot of it is get out of your body, you know, manipulate your body, disassociate from your body, you know, look external for validation and look a certain size and all these kind of things. Like we are trained to fear our body. And so after trauma, it's actually going back to this aspect of rest, even in stillness, like being in the body is such a terrifying thing for so many people. And especially like entrepreneurs where it's like a lot of entrepreneurs that I see, right. It's, they know this kind of stuff, right. Like they know it because they know how to teach it, right. Our money blocks, our wounds, our things like that. But there's knowledge and then there's embodiment. Yeah. And the somatics is how you actually become. I know I felt this in my own journey. I could spew all my left brain information shit like no one's business. Like <laughs> I could say all this stuff. But then I look at my relationship patterns. I look at my money leaks. I look at where like my energy leaks are. And it's like, oh shit, like I can teach this, sure. But am mm-hmm. I actually doing it, Right. And so Mm -hmm. I love that that's kind of like the piece that you're talking about, because yes, you can know things about trauma. Like a lot of us, I I assume that are listening to this podcast, you're not really in the victim role anymore. It's no longer like you get it, you get where things come from, but it's the now what, because it's still happening piece. So when it comes to like relationships and things like that, like let's break down narcissism I would love to hear your take on it your perspective what you see happening and let's just like riff on that for a second because I have some things to say on it (laughs) yeah I know I feel like this is something we could talk about for so long and go so deeply into um yeah I think that there's a lot of misconceptions about narcissism um and a lot of people are a little confused about like what I mean when I talk about narcissists. So I'm specifically talking about people with narcissistic personality disorder, um, which is a very um, specific, you know, diagnosed personality disorder. Um, Not every single person 
has been professionally diagnosed, but there's a really clear, um, you know, list of characteristics that you can become aware of and that you can learn about. And if a person is displaying like a majority of the characteristics, then you can, um, you know, pretty much understand that they are what I refer to as like a narcissist in this situation. So it doesn't just mean someone who's like egotistical and, you know, <laughs> loves to look in the mirror or something like it's a lot more than that. It's essentially the core wound of a narcissist is that they're incredibly insecure. Um, and this often does stem from a history of childhood trauma, which is, you know, really sad when, when we think about it in that way. Um, but what happens is that they in turn, you know, in their adult life often want to control and manipulate others. They're very good at, um, they're masters of manipulation. So this is a huge, um, you know, characteristic of narcissistic personality disorder. And they are very, very critical, very judgmental. And oftentimes, you know, they follow the traditional narcissistic abuse cycle, which will start with a period of um, love bombing, like intense idealization of their partner, extreme gestures of romantic love, just like over the top gestures. And then oftentimes that leads into intense and harsh criticism. And then it can lead to a discardment. So just basically casting the person aside, like they don't matter. And there's so much I can go into. I could talk about this for like hours, but oftentimes another characteristic of being in a relationship with a narcissist is that a trauma bond is formed. And this is something that is really, really um, challenging that a lot of my clients are, you know, really working through. Um, and so that is something that can be very painful, very hard to break. And ultimately, I really feel like you can't fully understand narcissistic, narcissistic abuse unless you've lived through it because it's so complex and there's so many different aspects to it that just don't make sense to people who've never gone through it. And that's why I felt really called to, you know, specifically help women recover from narcissistic abuse because as I was recovering from it I would go to I went to like 10 therapists to try to find someone who could could really understand and to be honest I couldn't find anyone who understood the the levels of complexity of abuse like especially the um, mental and emotional abuse and the level of gaslighting that I'd gone through and so it's something that I've really you know, understood and helped women through because I don't think it is understood well enough. I think that there's a lot of misconceptions about it. And I think that as like a society, it's really necessary that we have more education and more understanding of, of actual narcissistic personality disorder and how it affects, you know, the survivors of narcissistic abuse. Mm. Mm. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, when it comes to narcissism, like, did you feel like you were addicted to a person? And then, oh, yeah, yeah like, that's, that's how I always describe it. I'm like, it's, you're addicted to a person. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden everything changes, but because you're addicted to that person, it's hard to leave. Um, yeah. And it's just like explaining addiction to anyone. Like, I can't explain what it's like 
to be addicted to cocaine to someone that's never like you can stop other people can't like there's just this like mindset behind like why don't you leave you know Mm -hmm. and and a lot of shame from society around it where it's like if someone is treating you like that like for me I had domestic violence I had narcissism trauma bonding drugs like there were so many parts of it where it was like and now and I I remember making a post on this because when I started dating it was this, but why didn't you leave? Like, mm-hmm. what, what about that? And it's like, I would love to tell you why. I don't yeah. know. You know, I can look back at it and I could be like my self-worth and all these kind of things. And of course, I know that in rationality, but it's like, it's so much deeper than that because there's an actual nervous system attachment to this person and the way that it's done. Like, it, it's like they love bomb you. They strip you away. They start to plant these seeds that your friends are conspiring against you and your family is conspiring against you so that they are literally the only person you have. And then they yeah. start to belittle you and you start to believe these things. So then you're attached to them and they are your sense of a dopamine fix. And they give you this like, mm-hmm. you know, hits of worth and then they strip it away and it's like this ping pong and then they, they ditch you and they throw you aside and you're like, fuck. Like it's yeah. this whole mix of events that like, Yes, they prey on people that are open to that. Like often it's people that have been through some type of trauma. Like mine happened right after I lost my mom. So I was in a very vulnerable space. I just wanted to be loved. I needed an escape to take me out of the pain that I was actually feeling from that loss. I needed a distraction. And so it's it's look it's so much more than just that one thing. But oftentimes when from society looking in, it's like really what I want to do and I feel like your work does this where it's like to destigmatize it, like it is not the victim's fault. And what can we do to support them to create the environments? Like I remember when I was going through it and I was trying to get out of my relationship, I kept going back. Like I was a stereotypical um, statistic of taking seven tries, even though you know, I had brain bleeds, I had broken lungs, I almost died a handful of times in the hospital, you know, like there were things going on. And the one thing I remember one of my friends, Nicole, she sat my friends down because they were sick of my shit. They were sick of it. And I get this for people and a family member and friend, like, they're like, what the fuck are you doing? And she sat mm-hmm. them down and was like, if we leave her, she's really not going to have anyone else. And where do you think, who do you think she's going to lean into? Mm-hmm. And I want more people like Nicole in the world. Right. And it's like podcasts like this and people like you, it's like it brings awareness to understand it. And there's also this fucking social media. It's this um like everyone's a narcissist, you know, and like just because my boyfriend broke up with me, he is now a narcissist and all these fucking things that fuck this actual mental illness where it's like narcissism is actually in my belief and I want to know if you believe this as well narcissism is the one mental health disorder we cannot heal because the one thing about a narcissist is they never believe they're the fucking problem they will never go to therapy they never believe they're wrong and it's one of these things where it's like you have to be the bigger person to surrender like relationship recovery is hard but you know I deal this with my own family you know someone in my family is a narcissist and having to navigate that where it's like, that's a family member, like, fuck, Mm -hmm. like, and to be able to differentiate and be like, oh, this means nothing about me. 
How can I set healthy boundaries? How can I do the recovery work within my own body? How can I, you know, what they tell you in Al-Anon, how can I love you from a distance and, Mm -hmm. you know, detach with love and, and give this space. And it's, there's just so many components to it. And so I'm curious to know when someone is going through this, like they're aware of it, they're made aware of it. They're not, they're no longer in this, like, one gaslighting themselves phase because we definitely do that when we're in it like we're just addicted to a person in rose-colored glasses and making every excuse in the book for them but they're out of it right like and that's who I believe you work with mm-hmm. what's the what are the first spaces that you advise your clients or that you work with your clients on to help them I know we talked about being in the body but help them stay away from that person and build that because that's the thing where I'm, I I know I just went on a tangent, but like the addiction to a person is so fucking real. And this is the same way I feel about like drugs. We get it. Like just stay away from them. But it's like people and food. Those are the ones that I don't think get enough attention. This is why eating disorder is very big on my heart. And also trauma bonding and narcissism is big and codependency are big on my heart because it's like they're addictions to things that we need. So like, what, how do you work with people around that? Yeah. Wow. You really just like touched on so many things that I just <laughs> felt so deeply in my heart because I've lived it too. Like I a hundred percent understand and resonate with what you were saying about like, you are addicted to a person. And that's exactly the experience that I felt. And I felt like there was this incredible emotional bond that was formed, um, you know, intentionally by, by the narcissist through, um, you know, layers of manipulation and um, emotional abuse over an extended period of time that made me feel like if he left or if I left him, I would literally die. Like it was (laughs) that level of extreme. And when you are in the grips of that level of emotional manipulation which can we can refer to as a trauma bond um it will actually result in health issues like you explained and I was experiencing that same thing too in and out of the hospital I was like you know having these intense migraines I would like pass out unconscious and all of these things like my body was going through hell like I was really really physically unwell and emotionally unwell and I think this is something that we need to understand and talk about that like when you are going through narcissistic abuse it affects you emotionally and physically and you know withdrawing from this person leaving the narcissist is like withdrawing from hard drugs like it can be compared to that so many of the women that I talk to they they are going through that And it does take on average, you know, seven attempts before a victim finally leaves the narcissist. And I was exactly in alignment with that as well. And that just goes to show how intense and how deep the level of manipulation is. And from the outside looking in, like friends and family, they most likely will not understand why you keep going back to this person. Um... And there can be a lot of guilt and a lot of shame and a lot of just confusion around this, um, exactly like you described. And I think it's really important that we start to like destigmatize this 
this fact that like leaving a narcissist is probably one of the hardest things that you will ever (laughs) if not the single hardest thing you will ever go through in your entire life and so you need support in doing it like doing it alone is can feel impossible and so you know having support having friends and family around you that are um actually compassionate and understanding of what you're going through rather than being judgmental and placing that guilt and shame on you um, as well as having people who've gone through it and who like understand what's actually happening and so I do work with women who are either you know in the process of leaving a narcissist or have recently left a narcissist and I think it is really important that you brought up the fact that like I actually do agree with you that narcissistic personality disorder is most likely not going to be healed. Like it's, I would make the assumption that in most cases it's, they're not going to change. Right. I would just like have that as a baseline understanding. There's very rare cases where someone with narcissistic personality disorder, like is self-aware and does the work. But I would say that's like a very, very small percentage from what I've seen and experienced. So knowing that, I think it's very, very important that if someone is going through narcissistic abuse, that the first thing that they do is just go no contact. And that's like the most basic piece of information I can give. But I think it's the most important first step you could ever take and your life will change after that for the better but you will also go through basically a withdrawal process that can be really very very painful and challenging and so going no contact is is the way it's like the way forward um blocking on all accounts not contacting this person anymore and then from that point i work with my clients on um three pillars to really build a stable foundation in order for them to regain their health and be able to start focusing on themselves again. And those pillars are trauma-informed yoga. So this is really to reconnect to the body and start to bring a sense of compassion and love and vitality to your body again, because like we've been talking about, it affects you physically as well. And the second pillar is boundaries. So learning how to speak your truth, learning how to use your voice, learning how to protect your energy, because that's oftentimes the core you know, wound of what is happening here. And then the third pillar is reclaiming your sense of self-worth. So really sinking deep into knowing yourself, trusting yourself, understanding what brings you happiness. And if you start to do work on those three, you know, core pillars, then we can start to, um, you know, move forward and advance from there. But just mastering those three will give you enough stability and enough strength to really like move forward from the experience. Mm, I love that. So trauma-informed yoga, boundaries, reclaiming sense of self-worth. The way I hear that is body, mind, soul. <laughs> like I'm like, that is yes, exactly what I feel. Exactly. And it's like, I do want to touch on that no contact thing really quick. Cause it's like, yeah. Yes, go no contact and understand it's going to feel like there is literally claws inside your solar plexus wanting to escape you will make up every fucking excuse in your head 
to unblock them, to check their social media, to reach out to them, to make sure they're okay. They're going to try to fucking reach out to you. I had my ex try to contact me through insight timer, which is a meditation. (laughs) Like they will (laughs) anything to get through. And it's like, you have, it's one of these things. This is why working with people. This is why focusing on building your network, like actual friendships, actual community that you can lean into when you feel activated. This is why I believe in group mentorship when it comes to this stuff, because yes, you can talk to your girlfriends. Of course, how many of us really have friends that are going to support us in that and not call our ex-boyfriends twats and cunts and names like that, that we think is going to be helpful. That isn't actually helpful because then you just get drunk on wine and then end up texting your ex-boyfriend and unblocking them. (laughs) Speaking for a friend. Um, but like we do this where it's like, if you have actual mentorship that supports you in that, you know, what in like find someone you truly like, I have had people that come to me and they're like, I tell you more than I tell my therapist. I'm like, find someone like that where you can say, I just did this. I just unblocked them and I messaged them. I just met up with them for coffee. I feel like texting them. Like, be honest about it because my friend, we all feel that way. Like, it does not make you weak. It doesn't mean anything about you, especially for those high achieving women, high value women that then they feel like this has to be hidden because it doesn't align with the image that they're portraying to the world of who they are. Like, mm-hmm. that's who I see struggle some of the most because it's like, I can't let you know that this is how I feel about my ex and that I'm pining over them and I'm stalking their social media and I'm wondering where they're at and why they aren't calling me. It's like, those are all real feelings. Like, just because someone says, I think we see a lot on social media, especially for breakup culture of no contact. And I feel like I want to break the stigma around that as well, where it's fucking hard. Like if I, like the things I had to do, I have note sections on my phone. (laughs) I have note sections on my phone for every time I wanted to text my ex. And it was daily. It was daily. That mothering energy where I wanted to tell them that they were wrong or I wanted to um, write an apology letter or I, you know, trying to do these things. I always put it in my note section first because it needs to get out of your body. It's not, let me go distract myself. It's not, let me mask it. Not let me drink. Let me do drugs. Like whatever your source of thing is, build a business. That was my first business. It was definitely based out of trauma. Um, but it's really looking at how do I get this out of my system in a way. And that's why I love that you said body first, because yoga for how you work with people, for me, like it's, it's dancing, it's sacred rage. It's literally, it's fitness. Like it's, Mm. it's getting it out. It's completing that trauma cycle because again, trauma is felt in the body, but when it comes to no contact, like you're gonna, you feel these things even in breakups. Like when I had, God bless my cotton socks and my best friend, when I just went through my breakup, not just, I need to stop saying that it was in fucking March. Um, but in 2022, but when I went through it, my best friend was like, just text me every time you want to text them. And like, it's rewiring in your brain because you are addicted to that habit as well. Like also remembering, like, for me, like mine is very left brain. I love to explain the science. Like your brain is used to that push pull tactic with that partner. Like you are used to being chased and you are used to giving in and you are used to contacting that person and the drama of that person. Like the neural pathways in your brain are literally paved for that by now. And so understanding that to shift that is fucking hard. A habit takes at least 90 days And on top of that, we have to keep building it. Like that is just the peak of the pathway to actually build the pathway is like fucking six months. Like 
it takes time and it's okay if you fall back. It's okay if these parts of ourselves, there's going back to the concept of shame and guilt. I think when it comes to narcissistic recovery, like shame can exist when we give it air, when we speak it into light, when we are in communities, when we're with mentors that understand it and we can actually speak that, like it cannot exist. And so when you get it out there where you're like, hey, I really want to text this person, get the people in your corner that are like, yeah, that totally makes sense. Like, duh. You're, it's a human that you've been in contact with. You've been doing this for X amount of years, months, days, like whatever, this cat mouse thing, the push pull tactics, like that's activated in your nervous system. How do we want to complete that cycle? Right? Like that's, that's where it comes into like, find the thing that helps you complete that loop. But like, understand that like, nothing is wrong about you for wanting to contact a person that society is deeming as like, why the fuck? do you want to do that? Right? Like with my ex, why do you fuck? Do you want to contact someone that almost killed you twice? You know, it's like, I don't know, but mm-hmm. I do. And I don't really want to fucking explain it to you because now I'm keeping it to myself. And then I'm going to do things stupidly in the back end and filled with shame and guilt instead of coming forward and being like, Hey, I'm having this input. Like, for example, I mean, anyone that's in I'm going on a tangent here, but like anyone that's in Al-Anon or CODA, which is 12-step support groups for people. Al-Anon is for um, support groups for people, partners, parents of um, addicts. And then CODA is Codependency Anonymous. Like Mm. very few people know about these programs. I had one. I was in them both. But like you have sponsors. So when you get this itch to call, just like you do when you're in NA, which is Narcotics Anonymous or AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, you have sponsors. I'm not getting an itch to drink. Okay, mm-hmm. let me call my sponsor so I don't fucking do that. No one is pretending that coming overcoming addictions is the easiest thing in the world. We need people because our brain will do this cute little thing that will convince us to do it. Like, because it's comfortable and that's what it knows. So having someone there in a support system when you do get that itch is so fucking important. Like, treat it with the intentionality that you would recovery of drugs and alcohol. That's, that's what I have to say on that. Like... I think there's just a lot of shame and guilt when it comes to this whole no contact thing where it's like, oh, but that's not working. Like I'm thinking about it all the time. Every time I open up Instagram, I'm like, let me make a fake account so I can look at them. And it's like, don't fucking do that. Like get support so that you can actually complete the cycle and get over this quicker. Like you're not broken. Nothing's wrong with you. You're not weak. It's just using the right resources to get you to where you want to go. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for shining light on that because I think that that is so important for people to realize, especially people who've gone through narcissistic abuse, is that like, yeah, withdrawing from this person is going to be, it's so fucking painful. Like words cannot describe, I, I love your description of like, feels like claws sinking into like your solar plexus. Like that is the, that is the description. Like it is, you know, I say go no contact but I'm not saying that it's easy. And that's like the part where it's like, yes, go no contact. And then immediately make sure that you have support. And I love that um, metaphor that you drew about, like, it is basically like withdrawing from an addiction. So if you're withdrawing from, you know, narcotics or alcohol, it's like you want to have a sponsor, someone who's going to be there for you when you want to relapse. And I think it's exactly the same with, um, you know, withdrawing from uh, narcissistic abuse, because your body is going through 
chaos. Like your nervous system is so dysregulated. It is addicted to the roller coaster up and down cycle that you've been on for, you know, however long you were with this person. And especially if you've been with this person for a year or two years, you know, an extended period of time. Now your body is fully addicted to that push and pull that up and down intense intense emotional highs and lows and that is now what is programmed within your nervous system within your body and so if you go cold turkey and you go no contact from this person it is going to feel like hell like you will 100% want to reach out to that person again Um, you'll want to do crazy things. Like you said, creating new accounts or like, you know, doing all these things. And the narcissist also will most likely reach out to you in really crazy ways. Like the narcissist that I was with when I broke up with him and finally left and finally was committed to no contact, he would find the most insane ways to try to contact me. Like so many fake accounts, so many fake numbers, just any form of manipulation that he could pull to try to rope me back in again he tried like it was very very crazy and chaotic um and so it's so so important to have you know friends community a mentor that you can talk about this with and be like hey this person is like creating all these fake accounts and trying to contact me like I really want to reach out to them what's like what should I do and exactly like you said you know, not having, not placing the guilt and shame upon the survivor of narcissistic abuse if they desire to reach back out to the narcissist because it is an addiction and your body has formed an addiction to the chaos. It only makes sense that you'll want to reach out to them again. And so it's so important to have support through this and someone that you can openly talk to about what you're going through and the, you know, the cravings that you have to go back to them and just like yeah, air it out into the open so that you're not repressing it and hiding it because that is what is going to, you know, bubble up in um, even more harmful ways. Mm, I love that. And to avoid the self-sabotage and the things that we do in our closets. Um, (laughs) So beautiful. I want to fast forward a bit Mm -hmm. because this whole, okay, come out of a relationship first identifying that there's a problem, then coming out of the relationship, doing the embodiment work, releasing it. What do you Mm -hmm. see with people that then go into dating after? Like that whole process, I mean, I know that's a sticky pickle myself and the clients that I work with. So I'm curious to know, like when people coming out of a narcissistic relationship, what is that timeframe? What is that healing modality is like to then call in love again? What do you often see happen there? Yeah. Wow. (laughs) What a beautiful question. And it's so real for me because (laughs) it's, you know, it's my life. It's like what I've gone through. Um, it's been four years since I left the narcissist. So I've had some time to process and for my journey personally, I made the choice to spend at least a year in um, intentional celibacy and just being single and focusing on myself because, um, my pattern myself is I would always be in a relationship. Like I would go from one relationship to the next with like maybe a month in between or something. Like I would never give myself an actual amount of time to 
get to know myself and to like really focus on who I am and who I'm becoming and my goals and my intentions just for myself only. Um, I was, you know, kind of addicted to love and relationships. And so this narcissistic abuse experience, it broke me. (laughs) Like it like shifted something in me where afterwards I was just not the same person. I was like, wasn't even thinking about dating. I wasn't even, I didn't even want to talk to a man, (laughs) to be honest. After that experience, I was, I had a lot of anger. I had a lot of bitterness. I had a lot of like, why did this happen to me? How did this happen? You know, like I'm a self-aware person. I'm a yoga teacher. Like, how could this have happened to me? You know? And so in this process of being intentionally single and celibate for a year, I got super, super comfy with being very alone (laughs) and just feeling into my aloneness and feeling into the discomfort of that. Like before this experience, I would never want to go to a restaurant and sit at a table by myself. Like I would be so um, self-conscious and like be thinking, oh my God, what are these people thinking about me? Like, you know, very like, insecure in that sense whereas now after that experience and after being completely alone for a year like I fucking love going to a restaurant by myself and just sitting there and like reading my book and like you know having like treating myself and I love being alone and I love um setting goals that are only mine that don't have to do with my relationship and I love going on trips by myself and like I love who I am just by myself. And I think that that in and of itself was like a really, really pivotal part of my healing process because I'd never given myself that space before, like ever in my adult life, which is kind of mind boggling, but it's kind of um, wild because now that I'm, you know, stepping into this role as a, as a coach and a mentor and a teacher, I see this in a lot of women where it's like, the women that um, have been in narcissistic relationships, oftentimes they will go from one relationship to the next very quickly. And oftentimes I also notice that there's this pattern of um, they really want to help their partner. They really want to nurture their partner. They're very caring, very compassionate, very giving, um, you know, beautiful humans like, successful smart intelligent women who give so much to their partner and um what I you know see in my clients who've gone through narcissistic abusive relationships is they tend to be giving to the point of being overgiving, like very self-sacrificing to the point of wanting to heal their partner wanting to help their partner get better And I think that in this situation, if you've been through a narcissistic abusive relationship, taking a period for yourself and giving all of that energy and all of that love and awareness and compassion, give it to yourself first, like, and see what happens, see what happens with your life. Your life is going to like, just blow up in the best way. You're going to like, feel so loved and so held by yourself instead of feeling like you're overgiving and your energy is being you know 
drained if you're in an unhealthy relationship dynamic. So I think the very first step is just understanding, like understanding your needs, your desires, your goals, and really giving that love back to yourself and, and feeling that and falling in love with your solitude, falling in love with your aloneness. And it's really only from that place that if you do choose to enter into a new partnership, you'll be entering into a new partnership, not out, not from the place of lack of like, I need this person to complete me or I need to, you know, help this person or save this person or, you know, give all my healing, beautiful energy to this person in order to feel worthy, which is kind of the root of codependency. Um, but instead being like, I'm whole, I have my own vision, I have my own goals and meeting another whole person on that level and being like, okay, like, what can we create from here? We get, we just get to play and have fun. We don't actually need each other, you know? So that was my process. And it's something that I see mirrored in a lot of um, women that I talk to. Mm, I love that. That's literally same. That's like what births sacred singlehood. It's like, take the time to be alone and know who you are outside of it. And I always yeah. talk about this where it's like, really healing your own inner masculine because it's Mm. like how do you support yourself how do you show up as your inner boyfriend essentially like when you're moody and you you know want food or you don't want to go on these adventures which we often put on hold because we wait for a partner and then we feel like oh I can't do these things on my own like I need them to do this it's like no like you have the capabilities show yourself that and when you become whole that you become a match to your match and then you do these things together and you start to make space for it. And, you know, it's this kind of juicy little dance that you do, but I love that you also sat on the space and reflected on the space of like, how could this have happened to me? Right. Like, how did this, how did I get here? And I feel like that's so relatable to a lot of people. And that's where that space comes from, because in all honesty, those things happen to help you become the version of you that you were always meant to be. Like there are no mistakes in life ultimately, but a lot of times we're like, well, I'm this high achieving individual. I do this. I do that. I've done this. I've achieved this. How the fuck did I let some little twat manipulate me? You know, like how did this happen? And then we get afraid to date again. Cause it's like, how the fuck am I going to make sure that that doesn't happen again? Cause it's going to knock me off this pedestal that I put myself yeah. on that. Like I believe to be true about me. It's like, no, 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 actually that heartbreak that you're feeling right now, I know it hurts and it's totally happening for you, right? Like it's happening for you to course correct you into the woman that you're meant to be instead of the show pony of these external factors that validate you. It's actually looking within to help you slow down. So what do you want to make of this moment in between? How do you want to show up for yourself? What space do you want to make and take? Because that is a thing where it's like, let me get into my next relationship so I don't have to feel guilty or shameful for having this happen to me. Let me distract myself. Let me get a dopamine hit. So therefore I'm feeling rewarded and get my little love hormones going again. But like, then you see it happen again and again and again. And like, you get to this point where it's like, okay, the common denominator of every relationship that I've ever had is the you. Like taking radical ownership over that and like taking the space and it doesn't have to be, I know you said you did, you said like a year. I did two years. And like, I always say that I'm like, I don't fucking recommend that. Like, I don't like, it's, it's one of these things, but it's like, take space. However much space that is that you can get to a point that like 
you are good on your own. You can sit in a cafe and read a book on your own. You can travel. You can not talk to a human for a fucking week and you'd actually love it. Like it Mm -hmm. be in that space and then know that when you go out to the world and you start to date again, it's, it's about you. Like, how do you feel in the presence of another? How do you feel with this person? Are you noticing that you're in partnership and you start to change and you start to pedestal them or you start to shift how you show up. It's like, Ooh, that's your indication light. That doesn't mean that you're not ready to date. That just is your indication, right? Like, cause any of the tools that you do during your little sacred season of singleness, like mm-hmm. it, you're going to have to revisit those again in partnership. Let me fucking tell you like, but make sure in that time of space, you build up the tools. Like you have the tools so that you can revisit them in partnership just because just you heal it once, like you said in the beginning of this episode. It's an ongoing thing. Like if I can mm-hmm. tell you like the things I have now, like I took the two years, I fell in love, I got my heart broken, I'm now falling in love again. It's like, yeah, each time it's like, it's not fucking perfect. Like, let me tell you. But it's like the tools help you collapse time in that healing so that you're no longer projecting and protecting. You're actually transmuting that energy and completing that trauma loop so that you can call in that love you're ultimately craving. You know what I mean? Yes, I so know what you mean. I so understand with everything. Like, I understand everything that you're saying. And I love that you are speaking to this, you know, season of sacred singlehood. And I love that so much because that's really what this is. Like, of course, it's just about going out and living your life and enjoying your freedom because hopefully after you make it through the hell that is breaking the trauma bond and withdrawing from like this feeling like you're addicted to this drug of this person, hopefully you enjoy the bliss and the experience of just your freedom and like understanding what your life is like away from, you know, the control and then the manipulation of the narcissistic abuse. And it is about, you know, sinking into these tools and practices to really cultivate a deeper sense of self so that you're coming out of this experience, integrating the wisdom and the lessons that this experience teaches you because like you said nothing is by mistake and I know that can be like quite a painful thing for people who've gone through narcissistic abuse it's like you know I'm never going to say it should happen to anyone because I don't believe that but if you have gone through something like this it's like how can you take the lessons and use them for your life, like integrate them into your being to come out of this experience stronger and more embodied and more empowered and more confident and with a deeper level of wisdom. And I think a part of that is really um, being intentional with with yourself and with your time during this period of singlehood. And I think that a huge part of that for myself and something that I teach now is developing a very strong sense of your intuition because that is ultimately what leads a lot of people into these type of relationship dynamics is that they're disconnected from their inner voice they're disconnected from their inner truth and oftentimes that arises from the wisdom of the body so that's something that I really focused on cultivating is this deep sense of trust with my intuition and that draws from the wisdom of the body of forming a deep and loving connection with the body because the body is constantly sending us signals. It's constantly, constantly sending us 
feedback and messages. We only just have to learn how to listen and be in tune with that. And that gives us so much guidance for our life. And especially when it comes to relationships, like really trusting yourself and trusting your intuition can help you when you when you do decide that it is time to enter into a new relationship with someone it's like you want to make sure that you're listening to yourself and listening to your intuition first so that you're not falling back into that cycle of putting other people's needs before yourself or falling for you know an illusion um but that you're really listening to yourself first and listening to your intuition and tapping into that deeper level of wisdom Mm, I love that I love that so much and I think that is where I want to leave the listeners because that is such a good one to land on and I've enjoyed this conversation is there anything else that you want to share with our community anything that's on your heart that you're feeling called to share Yeah, I'm just so grateful to to have this conversation with you. And it feels so beautiful and healing to, you know, speak about something that can be thought of as so, you know, taboo and heavy to talk about, but just talk about it in a way that like, releases that heaviness and releases that stigma. And I just hope that it allows people to feel more, you know, open to speak about these things that they're going through and understanding that, there's nothing wrong with them. It's just a part of their life and a part of their learning process. And that's something that I'm really here to, you know, stand for is that like, it's a beautiful process for us to understand more deeply about ourselves and to transmute that, you know, that feeling of pain and confusion and heaviness and take the wisdom from that and allow that to, be the fuel for our development and for our growth and for our strength and our empowerment. Mm, I love that so freaking much. Thank you for your heart and your soul and the work that you're doing. I'm the thing I love about trauma work is one, it connects me with the coolest people on the planet. Um, (laughs) And two, there's a thousand ways of doing this work, you know, And, and like, that's the big mission is like anyone it's like, don't give up just because one thing didn't work. It's like, there are a thousand ways to do this and just finding what works because you're not stuck. Like your nervous system, it's plastic. Like, yes, if you don't apply heat, it will not change. But when you do apply the right set of heat for a certain amount of time, like it begins to mold and shift. And so I love what you're doing. I love the practices, the embodiment, the mind, the body, soul. Like It is so beautiful. And just to be able to walk alongside you and celebrate you and all the things just it's been an honor so thank you so so much um Mm -hmm. where where can my community connect with you yeah thank you so much Laura I really love your work as well and I feel like ever since I met you you know within the living brave community I felt so connected to your story and what you write about and I just feel like there's so many beautiful parallels between our experiences and what we've gone through and like how we decide to, um, you know, teach it in our own unique way. So yeah, I'm super grateful. Um, you can find me on Instagram. It is mary.movement.medicine. And I offer one-to-one mentorship specifically on narcissistic abuse recovery. Um, all that we've talked about today, 
I also am running a group program for the month of January called Evolution Mastery. And this is all about breaking down the subconscious patterns. So all the different parts of ourselves, like the overgiver and the people pleaser and the good girl and all of these parts of ourselves that are, you know, out of balance and create chaos in our lives. So it's all about really understanding and loving these parts and integrating them into our being so that we can do things differently and move into a new trajectory oh my goodness I literally if you could have seen my face on the back end I'm like (laughs) (laughs) so good I'm so excited um I will make sure to put everything in the show notes so people can connect with you walk with you learn from you but thank you so much for being here it's meant the world Thank you so much. It's been so great to have this conversation with you. Mm, I'm curious to know how it landed for you. Was it a soul hug? What came up? I'll make sure to put Mary's information in the show notes. Like I said, her Instagram is mary.movement.medicine. She's glorious. Come hang out there. And I'd love if you could share this with someone. If it landed on your heart, that means the world. And if you could take three seconds, go write a review. Let me know what came up for you in this. Share it. I love that. It helps get this podcast out there. It helps rank us. It's all the things that, you know, we love in this whole masculine part of business. (laughs) And it also means the world. So thank you so, so much. And if you want to continue this conversation, I'll make sure to put in the show notes information about Sacred Singlehood. You could click there. You could see the landing page. Um, and you can come hang out over on our Instagram if you want to have a conversation around that. My personal one is it's Laura Patricia Martin, I-T-S Laura Patricia Martin. And then our podcast, our platform, our stuff is Healing to Happy. So Healing to Happy. And I will see you in next week's episode, baby. Make sure you subscribe. I love you. <laughs>